<laughs> hello, hello. My voice is slightly different than Ryan's and like a little louder, so I'll give them a chance to get my vocal level so it's not screaming in your ears. Um, my lovely wife, thank you so much, Julia. Isn't it so enjoyable to hear her do the announcements? I remember them when she says them, kind of. <laughs> and she reminds me when I don't remember, so um, I'm excited to be here today. Evidently, they will not let me in children's church, so here I am. Um, they probably should let me in children's church, but it's an age and not like a test requirement, so <laughs> here I am. Okay. Um, so today, I want to share... A story, and then, which is kind of a long story, so that's why I'm telling you, because I always tell stories, so. But this is a longer story, and it's actually my testimony of Sozo. So if you go and you have a Sozo, if you haven't ever had one before, it's great, you should do it. Um, it's not that you have to be like something terrible happened to you to really enjoy um, hearing from God because we all need to hear from God, don't we? And it's helpful sometimes to have someone there with you that's prompting you, because a lot of times we tap out when God want, really wants to speak to us. We, um, we're like, okay, God, that's enough, thank you. And, but really, God's like, no, I want something more. And having that other person there is like, no, there is more. And just encouraging you further. So I'm gonna tell you my Sozo story. But they don't, no one else tells the Sozo story. You have to tell your own, right? So that's private um, information, and it, can, it stays private normally. And, and Ryan, no one's told my story before, and I haven't either. So I know that I haven't told you the story before. Um, so I want to start, though. When I was growing up, I had a problem. And some of you might feel like that this is a problem that you've had. And I just want to say, this was my problem, and I don't want you to feel like, oh, well, his problem is my problem. So just say it that way. We're all different, and each of us have issues that we are, we're um, trying to overcome. But my problem was with spelling and writing. I did not like school. I did not like spelling things. Spell check could not fix my spelling. <laughs> and because of that, I got really afraid of writing. Um, I could read, okay? Actually, I had trouble reading in one night. I, it's probably the first miracle I ever saw looking back. Um, I was really frustrated. I was probably, I don't know, seven years old. I was a, a late reader, and my mom had tried everything to help me to learn to read, and when program after program after program, this and that, and all these experts and stuff, right? And I was really frustrated, and I went to bed, and I was like, God, you have to help me read. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I was at the point where all the books that my mom had read to me, I'd memorized. And so it looked like I could read, but I just memorized everything. So, um, so I woke up the next morning, and I could read, like, the newspaper. It was crazy. I never learned, like, normally how to read. It's like I learned how to read. So um, that was a wild story. And some, what were you saying, Mom? Mom's adding something. Oh, okay. I, feel free to add. <laughs> feel free to add any of this information because I was young. Um, so I had this, but growing up, I still had this problem, and probably it was because I didn't learn how to read. So I didn't also did not learn how to spell, and it was just like pff, reading, but no spelling or like writing was was terrible for me. So like when I would have a test and there was an empty page, it would just be like. Pff, I cannot do anything, I cannot go forward. Um, I remember we, I used to memorize my spelling words and um, I, did, I was homeschooled, but we did school with other kids. And so this other kid came and he would forget that there was a spelling test. He's like, oh, I forgot there's a spelling test. And um, he would get every word right and I would like work all week and try to memorize the words and I would miss like two or three and I would like, start crying at after that like that evening be like he doesn't even try and he can spell everything and i try so hard and i cannot um so i grew up with that and that stigma i guess around those things so i was afraid to do things 
um, where those things were required, right? And a lot of teachers would come to me and be like, you need to try harder. I'm like, you have no idea how hard I'm trying. And so now, fast forward that into, I don't know, Holly, when do you think I went did a sozo? Four years ago? Four years ago, something like that? About, about when we started doing sozo. I don't know if someone remembers when that was, but anyway. Um, so I didn't really have any idea what to expect. And I wasn't like I had some, you know, whatever. I'm not an axe murderer, so I don't have any of those, like, these terrible things in the closet or anything. So I was like, I don't know what, what's going to happen. So I walked in, and Ryan asked me this question. He said something like this. Now, this is not exactly what he said, but he said, Aaron, if there's something that you could change in your life that would make it better, what would it be? And I was like, hmm, that's a really good question. So I thought about it, and I was like, well, actually, it'd be really helpful if I could spell and write well, because here I am, almost 30 years old, and I cannot write and spell well. That's not a thing that I do. Um, I enjoy communicating with people. I enjoy talking to them, but writing and spelling, not my thing. Um, So we started the Sozo, and we started talking about that, and I started asking questions. Ryan gave me some questions, some prompts, and we went through things. Um, So Ryan told me to ask Jesus, is there something wrong with me? And so I asked that question, and honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't really thought about, like, is there something wrong with me? And I thought that Jesus would answer something. Like, I've, I've, like, heard the voice of God. I was used to conversing with God, so it wasn't like some abstract idea to me. But I asked Jesus, and I expected him to tell me something about healing. But what he said was this. He said, there's nothing wrong with you, Aaron. Your brain just works differently than other people. And so at that point, like, it, it wasn't what I was expecting, I guess. And so it just threw me for a loop, and I was like, okay, well, that's, that's good. That's, you know, now I've got to figure out my whole world around this idea. And so I was ready to tap out. And I think that that is something that's so important when you do sozo. It helps to have someone in the room and say, we'll ask this question next. You know, we'll ask God, what about this? Because I was ready to like entirely reorganize my world about that's just how it is, right? And so Ryan um, said, well, ask Jesus, um, if there's nothing wrong with me, what do I do to, to spell better and to write better? And Jesus said something to me, and I was like, I might cry today. I cried when I heard it, and it really wasn't anything wild. But he said, Aaron, you've never asked me to help you. And it's like, I guess why I cried is I realized that I hadn't. You know, my whole life I'd been dealing with this terrible problem. It was really difficult for me to, to go through life and, and do things differently. Um, and I, had, I realized I'd never asked him. I'd asked him for help for thousands of other things. But I realized in that moment, really why I was crying was that I realized I'd believed a lie about myself. And I couldn't, like walking into that room, I could not tell you what lie it was. I couldn't like put my finger on it like, I believe that lie, right? But I realized that actually I believed a lot of lies that were all tangled up together. They're all mingled together. And that made something of who I saw myself, right? Okay. So I realized a lot of things in that like one moment. And so I asked Jesus, and I want to say today, I am, and Julia can attest to this as well, so much of a better writer than when we met, which is, and I've, we've been married for three years now. Thank the Lord. Praise God. We've been together for five years. We've been going out for five years and married for three of those. So um, it's just amazing, like 30 years of doing things one way. You'd think that you wouldn't change much in a few years, but I can write like nobody's business now, not a problem. Ryan called me on Friday or texted me Friday evening, something like that. And so like in my old world, for me to write something from Friday evening to today, that would be, my mom can tell you, 
she pretty much helped me write everything I've ever written until I was in my at least 20s, which is somewhat embarrassing here. <laughs> um, but I would just basically talk to her, and then she would help me write it down. She's very good at um, English. So I wrote this whole thing, whatever, however many pages it is, punched it out, no problem. Didn't even think about it. Um, it's, Jesus helped me so much in that thing that was so much of a problem for me, and all I did was ask him. I didn't try anything. I didn't do any more. Like after that, Sozo, I never did anything else about it. Jesus just helped me. And I want to tell you that if you've ever thought about doing Sozo and you're like, man, I don't really have that big of a deal, I would have told you that I, my life was like going great before I went into Sozo. I never realized how much better it could be when Jesus helps you. Okay, so that's kind of my long story to say this. I had not realized my whole life I had been believing this lie. If you'd asked me, Aaron, are you believing lies? I would have told you, well, probably, but I couldn't tell you what those lies were. And I want to say this. This is, sounds maybe shocking to you. You may disagree with me, and that's okay. But I believe that everybody in this room is believing some lie that's stopping them from experiencing everything that God has for them. There's something that's limiting them from going into the next level with God. And it's not God holding back from you. It's not God waiting, holding you back for the next level. It's that you're believing a lie. And maybe, like for me, it was this lie of I had to do it myself. But then that tangled into an idea of God's not going to take care of me, into God doesn't really care about me, and these, all these, this big web of lies, but I didn't think those things. I couldn't tell you that I believed those things. But deep in my heart, because I believed this one lie, it applied to so many other areas in my life. So I came up with these two things. After I experienced that, and so I started like meditating on it a lot, and like asking God, and I came up with these two, really, they almost sound stupid. They're so basic. And these two things, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If not, that's fine. This is easy. Number one, the lies we believe aren't the truth. That sounds, okay. Number two, anything other than the truth is a lie. But you know, this sounds really basic, but I bet everybody in here knows someone that believes that truth is relative. That truth is my truth. This is my truth. I've, you probably, if you've watched television in the last four years, you've heard someone say, well, that's my truth, right? And they believe that this, their truth is what defines their reality, right? But actually, there is only one answer. There can only be one answer. You know, it's either red or it's blue, or it may not be that answer, right? It may be some other color. And a lot of times, we in, like, I'm more of a science and math person. Well, growing up, not being able to write or spell, it kind of knocks out all of the um, English things. <laughs> I may have really lo loved school growing up. Growing up. Anyway, um, but I'm more of a math and science person. So to me, there should be always a mathematical answer to just about everything, right? So these two things, I started realizing they really affect a lot of how we see the world, and we would all probably agree with my statements. But think about this. What if you don't know the truth in a certain area? Then you've got a high percentage chance that you're believing a lie. If you don't know the truth in your specific scenario, you're believing a lie. And then anything other than the truth, it's not just like, well, that's a good answer. No, there's got to be one answer, doesn't there? There has to be one thing that's the actual answer. And everything else is a lie, even if it has some of the truth in it. And that's where I think that most of us exist on this plane of understanding that, well, I've, I, be, I be think I believe the truth, right? And I'm sure you all think that you believe the truth, but there's something that we believe that probably isn't the truth, and that makes it a lie. Okay. So... Uh, let me... 
So here's my question. Are we comfortable living the life that we have been living up to this point? When I walked into Sozo, I could say that I was actually pretty comfortable with my life. Now, I could be more comfortable. I could have better results. I could be more efficient. I could be more effective in how I reached other people, how I was able to minister, what I was able to do. But actually, I found that we as humans tend to get really comfortable with where we're at. And God always doesn't want us to be there in that place. He wants us to come up to a higher level. He wants us to go to the next level with him. He wants us to go from glory. If, we're, if I'm standing here in glory, he wants me to go from glory to greater glory. And he wants that for every person in this room and every person out of this room. He wants them to find their true purpose in him. Okay, so... I want to talk about some of the lives that we're believing today, and um, we're going to go through, through some Bible verses. So that was my story. Now here's my, my lesson. Okay, if you look in Mark 1.15, Jesus, Mark is recording Jesus' um, beginning of his teaching ministry. Okay, so... John the Baptist is put in prison and Jesus starts teaching and Mark records, he says, this is his first message. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So actually, Jesus, this is not the first time this message has been preached. Does anybody know who preached this message before? Julia? John the Baptist. Excellent. Okay, so John the Baptist preached this, and now Jesus is beginning his ministry with, with this same message. Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay, so you're going to ask, you're like, what does that have to do with a lie? Okay, so repent. We have this idea. We've been raised to think, I believe, that repent is repenting from sin. And I want to hold forth to you that Jesus was talking about more than sin when he said repent. Because he didn't say repent from your sin because God's going to judge you. He said repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He, Jesus came and he explained even more like this is how the kingdom is. Let me tell you a story. This is how the kingdom is. If you look through what Jesus said most of the time he was talking about the kingdom. He was talking about what it was like. And then he even taught his disciples. He said when you pray, pray that the kingdom would come. You pray that the kingdom would come here right on earth, just like it's in heaven. So he said, I'm going to teach you about the kingdom, but my first message is to tell you to repent. That word is metanoia, change your mind, renew your mind, because the way you think the world works isn't the way it should. The way that you think your life works isn't the way it should, because the kingdom of God is so much more than just Sin and going to heaven. The kingdom of God is much more than those things. And we're going to talk about that. But the lie that we're believing, I want to, the first lie I feel like that we're believing is that we know the way the world should work. That the way that we've been raised or we've been told, that's how the world works. And Jesus came, his first message, I believe, if I had to say it in today's terms, was get ready to change your mind because the world isn't the way you think it is. It's not the way that you think it should be. What you're experiencing, what you've seen out in the world is not how it's supposed to be. You're believing a lie, so you need to get ready to change your mind. And so many people, even Christians today, we are, want to hold on to the things we've been raised up in, that we've been even taught by people that we trust, and they were given, handed it down. But you know what? We need to renew our mind to what heaven is like, to what Jesus says that the way things should be on earth. Okay, so I want to talk about, just for a second, what is reality? Because we would all say probably, just on like, in a very easy sense, like what I experience is reality. 
But I want to challenge you, is it reality? So we experience a lot of things, and some of them good and some of them are bad. And we would say, well, that's just how it is. You know, we experience, we've, probably everyone in this room has experienced some kind of sickness. Everyone in this room has experienced some sort of lack. Everyone's experienced some sort of um, limitation, right? You could say that you would put everything in those boxes and you could call that, that's limitation. Okay, and we've also experienced going forward, like, and we would say, well, that's just how it is, right? You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you do this thing, sometimes you don't. And that is something I want to challenge you. Where did you get that from? Where did you receive that from? Did you receive that information from God? Or did you receive that information from your own experience, from the looking around at other people's experience? Where did you get that? So Jesus challenged his disciples that the kingdom of heaven was reality. Okay, that this is actually how it's supposed to happen. And that he said that we could pray for heaven to come and be replicated here on earth. So, what is reality? Is reality what we experience here on earth, or is it what's in heaven? Because, as far as I understand from the Bible, we can't change heaven but we can change earth. If that's true, then earth, what we experience, is not reality. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So therefore, the earth that we live in, the experience that we have on earth, is not reality, as we would experience. We feel like, well, this is real. That's the same as people saying. We kind of laugh when people might say, well, that's my truth. Well, that's how you know, is for me. That's how I feel. But actually, we probably are thinking that same way. Well, this is what I've experienced. This is real. This is, you know, that, that person didn't get ahead or that person, you know, that, that ministry failed or whatever. You know, just fill in the blank. And we're thinking that same thing. Well, that's my truth. Um, John 15, 7. Can you, you turn that Flip it on. If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, you can ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That is way outside of our normal existence. Jesus is saying that his words are the key to unlocking what our reality is. So he says, if, my, if you abide in me, so we're in Jesus, and then his words abide in us, things are going to change our circumstances. It's going to change where we're at right now. Okay, John 8, 32. So Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So Jesus is saying, these things that you've been believing are keeping you locked inside a prison. Ryan talked about this a couple weeks ago. He was talking about how Jesus was anointed to set the captives free. And um, at the end, he was talking about lies. And God started speaking to me a lot about that. And I, was, I thought it was interesting because, I mean, God speaks to me when Ryan's talking. But also, I like to listen to Ryan. So Ryan, God tells me stuff afterwards. Thanks, God. But he started speaking to me a lot of these things about setting the captives free. He's like, you, Aaron, you don't realize how many Christians who love me and who have given their lives for me are captive in some area in their life. They love me and I love them and I want them to be set free. And I was like, oh, that's like, I felt a real stirring in my spirit about it. And I didn't know, like God knew all this, that I would be speaking today. And so it's this idea that we have been called in a trap, and the trap is in our mind. But the key that unlocks that is Jesus' words. Now, John 17.3 says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We have this idea that eternal life is going to heaven. 
But Jesus says right here that eternal life is not going to heaven. He says that eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I would say that that is reality. Knowing God and knowing Jesus is reality. That is eternal life. And when we step into that knowledge, that truth, then we exist in reality, which is eternal life. So our beliefs are pivotal in our life and living our life. You know, what we believe changes how our life will be lived. And what we believe about different areas in our life affect the freedom and success that we enjoy in those areas. So um, we're going to, I could, I thought about writing a list and I was like, I do not have enough time to write a list. If I started on Friday evening, I could still be writing a list of all the areas that the way that we believe affects us. If you think about this, this is something I heard someone say one time. What the difference is, and I don't mean this, like, I don't think that um, physical money is, means it's not as, as great a meaning as people think it is. Um, but he said, what's the difference between a millionaire and someone that's broke? It's actually, it's what's in their head. It's how they think that's the change. Because you can see, we can see that, like, someone wins the lottery and they, like, it's high speed to being broke. They get millions of dollars in, but then like three years later, they've declared bankruptcy, they've been ruined. So what happened? Like their money changed, right? The, the numbers in their bank account changed, but what in here didn't change. And there are people that they can take, be taking everything, all the money out of their pocket, and they can get up on their feet and they can make money, and they'll make more. There are people that are you know, millionaires, billionaires who have lost everything. And they'll turn around and make something else. And they will be better off than they were before. So it's actually the level that we live in, in that something you can easily measure, right? The money. Um, that has to do with their thoughts, their thinking. Okay. So that could be, you could fill that in in any area in life. You know, there was probably someone popular at school. It wasn't because, whatever, they were prettier. It wasn't because that they were taller. It was actually because something in here, the way they were, made them different. Okay, so there are many, many areas. You, can, you probably are thinking of one. Maybe it's your area uh, that God's blessed you. Maybe it's an area that you're lacking in. Okay, so I'm going to talk about two areas that are super common that we um, believe lies in. These two areas, I probably, you, I mean, I don't want to point fingers at anybody. I'll point fingers at me. I have failed in many of these areas that, um, and every day, actually, I realize there's a new area, a new, um, a deeper place where I can give my um, trust in God. Okay, so number one place, worrying. You know, worrying is something so interesting. It has permeated culture, even Christian culture, to the point that if we are not worried about something, people will look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Aren't you a whatever? Aren't you a good businessman? Aren't you worried about your business? Aren't you a good parent? Aren't you worried about your kids? Aren't you a good you know, sibling? Aren't you worried about your brother or sister? Aren't you a good you know, whatever? Person, aren't you worried about the government? You know, aren't you worried about this or that? It's so easy. I could keep naming them until everybody's like, I'm, that's mine. You know, aren't you worried about your car working? Aren't you worried about, you know, your relationship? But let's look at Isaiah 26.3. Okay. You will keep talking about God. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Okay, does this sound like there's a place in this verse that says, I didn't see anything around it, but um, there's no place that says, like, well, sometimes, unless it's your kid, 
or as unless it's your grandma, or unless it's your church or your pastor, you know, you can do, you can be in perfect peace about everything else, but it's your child, so you can worry about that. Okay, so that's an Old Testament example. And then Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus is speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You can go to the next verse. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. There he's saying they're not worried, right? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? You can't even make yourself taller by worrying. I did not get here by worrying. <laughs> I did not get to this place by worrying. Okay, in the next verse. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, so don't say this, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? You know, I've said that probably so many times in my life. These verses have actually been super hard for me to like, God, you actually do not want me to worry about these things, right? And yet I would say that probably most of people in the world are thinking about these things every day. And not just, and the Christians are no different. Right? We're like, well, I gotta go to work. Well, I won't, if I don't go to work, I won't eat. I won't have food. And you know, I'm not against work. I pour concrete, so don't worry, I've I'm there with you. Um, but we have this idea that we'll read these verses and then go away and be like, well, uh, so what are we gonna eat for lunch? Anybody think about that yet? I'm still I've still got leftovers from Thanksgiving, so. <laughs> Uh, probably more than Thanksgiving. Um, so Jesus doesn't want us to worry. And the Bible says that if we put our mind on God, then he will put our mind in perfect peace. Right? So no worries, like zero worry. Okay? That's number one. That's the probably the big, a big one for most people. And number two is the idea of success and prosperity. And this is like, there's so many, this is one where everybody gets up in arms and fights on Facebook. You know, everybody's gonna fight you over like, they're like what is successful, what is too successful, or what is not enough success. You know, everybody's got so many of these ideas about success and prosperity. And God has so much more than what you have in your mind. Okay, we're going to look in the Old Testament. First, we're going to look at Psalm 35, 27. Okay, so David's speaking, and he says, Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, next verse, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So it's saying right here that God has pleasure in your prosperity. I'll say it again. God has pleasure in your prosperity. It makes God happy for you to prosper. And we have this idea, like we've been given all sorts of lies about this, like God doesn't really want you to, um, or God only wants you to have so much, or God doesn't want you to have anything, right? So there's all these levels, and everybody, like, I don't care who you talk to. Somebody has in their mind what is enough, what is not enough, what is too much, right? But God says prosperity. And that's not, and like a lot of times we'll think about that in like Western culture, we think about money. And some cultures, they're not thinking money, right? They're thinking food and shelter. And so we have this idea, what is prosperous to God? Okay, so we're gonna talk about that. In this verse, if you, if you look in different translations, 
They will actually say, in the other translations, I think a new living is one of them, God wants us to be successful and live in peace. Instead of prosperity, the word will be replaced for peace because that word in Hebrew is shalom. Right? That's their greeting in Hebrew. If they like say like hello, they'll say shalom, which means peace, but it means so much more than that. It's such a deep word. So God enjoys you being at peace. So that isn't that interesting that God ties in prosperity, financial prosperity. He ties in a mental prosperity. He ties in relational prosperity. In this word shalom, which is like a really loaded word, we don't even have a word that's quite like it in the English. But he wants us to be successful. He wants us to live in this peace of like, when I'm at peace, then I am prosperous. We, and here's another lie that people believe about prosperity. That somehow, like, and this is something that I've had to deal with, like, if I'm going to be prosperous, I ha- it requires a lot of work. Yeah, I've got to work really hard. I've got to slave away. I've got to give up all my time. I've got to give up all my energy. I've got to give up my effort. And then I will be prosperous. But is that peace? Okay, so now we're going to look in the New Testament. John 21, 1, we'll start in. Okay, so this is an interesting story. And this is when Jesus... After he's died, after he's resurrected, um, this is, I believe, the third time that he shows himself to his disciples. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you also. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and then you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. The next verse. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, he's writing about himself, um, loved, said Peter, it is the Lord. Okay, now I want to ask you a question. How did John know that it was Jesus? How did John know that it was Jesus? Everywhere that Jesus went, there was supernatural increase and overflowing abundance. Think about it. The first time that they meet Jesus, Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side. What do they get? Fish. When they're like, there's no food, he's like, no problem. Give me the fish. Give me the loaves. Here. Thank you, Jesus. Now spread it out. What is it? Plenty of food. More than enough left over. Uh, You know, they need to pay their taxes. Some interesting thing, like Jesus didn't just, like prosperity isn't just having a lot of money. Like I said, like you can win the lottery and have a lot of money and you can be broke in two years. It's being able to take something and multiply it, right? That's really true prosperity, anything. Take you know, your relationship wherever it is and, and multiply it, make it better. Take the, you know, whatever your situation is, your business and multiply it. That's true prosperity, That's the God kind of prosperity. And that's what Jesus carried with him. And John knew it was Jesus because of that level of prosperity. No, I mean, it was a miracle, yeah. But it was that level of prosperity that Jesus walked in that when he needed to pay his taxes and he didn't have the money in his pocket, he said, oh, no problem. Go fishing, open the mouth of the fish. There you go. there There was his taxes. That's how Jesus lived in this level of prosperity that we're going to live in, in the name of Jesus, right? Amen. Okay, so the next verse. So Peter jerks off his, um, puts on, he was um, outer garment, and he removed it and plunged into the sea. Next verse. Thanks, sorry. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but 200 cubits dragging the net with fish, 
So Peter's so excited to see Jesus, he jumps out of the boat, and they're not even far away, and he swims to shore. Okay, look at the next verse. So they come to land, they saw a fire of coal there, and fish laid on it, and bread. So Jesus already had something to eat with him. He already had a meal prepared for him. That was the level of prosperity. He wasn't waiting for them to bring the fish to him. He already had that, that um, provision. Okay, next verse. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you just called. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land. Okay, so everybody's in the boat. Peter jumps out and swims to shore. He's so excited. They get to shore. Jesus says, bring the fish on land. And he grabs all the fish himself and pulls it up on land. That level of excitement is what we need to be focused in on, right? What Jesus has given us, we are bringing it in, right? That when we change our mind, we are so excited that we're full in this. No one else needs to be there. Like none of the other disciples need to be there. Peter wasn't concerned about the other side. Hey, you guys going to help me bring this in? No, he grabbed it and he pulled it in. But there were so many, the net, but yet the net was not broken. Okay, think about this. When they fish with nets, they fish so that the nets won't break. Peter pulled it in himself, and it, yet they were like, well, the, the miraculous thing was the net didn't break. Think about the amount of effort that Peter had to be putting into this to pull this net on shore. And they were like, well, the, the, the amazing thing wasn't that he pulled it to shore. The amazing thing was the net didn't break. <laughs> That's fun, isn't it? Everywhere Jesus goes, there's supernatural increase. And there's so many places that he wants us to increase in, to go to the next level. Um, can you turn to Matthew 7? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. You can go to the next verse. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Okay, you can stop right there. Jesus told us to ask. Yet, the lies that we're believing, the lies that I believed, kept me from asking. That was the prison that I was in. I was existing, living my life in this prison of not being able to write, of living my life a certain way, just because I hadn't asked. And when I did it, I was like, well, that was easy. That wasn't very difficult at all. Jesus wants us to ask, but the lies keep us from going there in our mind. They keep, they keep us from even imagining how it could be. Today, that's going to change. Every one of you, I'm sure, probably believes more than one lie. Not me too. I believe that if we didn't, we would walk just like Jesus walked because he believed the truth. And the Bible also says in Philippians that he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. So we have this idea like super Jesus, like Superman, like he could do anything. But actually, he emptied himself of that ability. He didn't, to show us how we could live. You know, to show us how we should be walking in our life. But the thing that's holding us back are the lies that we're believing. And it's simple. All we have to do is quit believing them. All we have to do is change our mind. But first, we have to find out what that lie is. So I could not have told you when I walked in there what that lie was that I was believing. That was keeping me back. I couldn't tell you. If someone said, Aaron, we'll give you all the money in the world, just tell us what the lie is that's holding you back for this. I, I don't know. If I knew it, I wouldn't believe it, right? That's the thing about lies. So someone's going to have to tell you the lie. So who tells you the lie? Let's look at James 1, 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, would you say, would you agree with me for a second, that wisdom 
is knowing the truth and also knowing how to apply the truth. Yeah? Okay? So if any of you lacks wisdom, so if you need the truth and then you need to also know how to apply that, you need wisdom. Let him ask of God, the Bible says, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Think about this. Go back to that. I'm going to read it again. If any of you lacks wisdom, if you need to know what to do, how to do it, you need to know the lie, and you need to know how to get rid of it, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and doesn't say no to anybody. He doesn't say, no, you shouldn't be asking for that. No, I don't think you're there yet. No, you can't handle the truth. That's not what Jesus says. It's not what God says. It says, it will be given to him. This is a promise that you can stand on from the word of God. You know, you can stand on this. If you ask God, he will give it to you. So today we're going to do that. We're going to ask God about a lie that we're believing. And he's going to give it to us. Because he's not going to say, no, you don't need that. You know, you need to worry about this. God's not going to say those things. We have this so many lies that are stacked up sometimes that we have this expectation of what God is going to give us to us before we ask. Like, oh, he's not really going to give me that. I can ask for it, but eh, probably not. Today, he's going to give you an answer. And I know that he will. Because if he doesn't, then the whole world can't stand. Because it was all made by his word. So I want you all to close your eyes, bow your heads, and just focus on Jesus. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are here with us right now. Thank you that you want us to see you how you really are. You want us to see the truth and you want us to walk in wisdom. Jesus, I thank you for everyone here that can hear my voice. I thank you that you want to reveal the truth to them individually, each one. Now you can repeat after me just quietly. You can do it in your heart. You can do it out loud if you want. It doesn't matter. Say, Jesus, what lie am I believing right now? Some of you, I believe, have heard it right away. And yet, there are a few here that might have heard like static or garble. So I just speak silence to outside voices, to um, thoughts that are run astray. Peace in the name of Jesus. Now ask again, Jesus... What lie am I believing? Now, for some of you, you heard then again, and then some heard for the first time. And yet there might be a few that still haven't heard. But you know what? In that story, Jesus calls Peter over and he asks him a question three times. And so today we're going to ask Jesus a third time. Jesus, what lie am I believing? Now I want you to take that lie in your mind and just imagine it 
like a piece of paper. And I want you just to crumple it up and give it to Jesus. Jesus, I don't want this lie. And I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you have to give me in return? Now you can just thank Jesus for giving you that. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me peace. I believe right now God is restoring families. He's restoring marriages. I believe that he's restoring your physical body. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus, I thank you for everyone who's come today. I thank you for those who are on the live stream. God, I thank you that your peace rests in their hearts. Thank you, God, that you're showing them every day more things to burn that are holding them back. That hold me back. Thank you for leading us into the amazing picture and reality of the kingdom. The amazing picture and reality of Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.